The Lord is good, isn't he? He is true to his word. He is moving us forward. And we're going to talk today about what do we need to do in 2021 and what does the Lord have coming up for us. So we're going to read a good chunk of scripture. So if you're online, don't flip the channel. Just stay with us. Uh, for all of us here, God is, is doing good things. Let me pray for us. If you're turning your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to pray for us here in just a moment while you're turning in your Bible. And we're going to read all together uh, a lot, kind of a long passage. So usually, a lot of times I've noticed after about three verses, everybody starts kind of looking at their phone, other things, because of all the notifications that are coming up. So uh, if you're on your phone, stay with us because it's a good, it's a good word in the to the, to the church in Corinthian, in the Corinth, but also a good word to us today that we might be standing what God has called us to. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's what we're turning to in our word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for peace. Thank you for joy and righteousness. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning. Thank you, Lord, that as we stand here and we gather together to worship, you are here, God, because you have called us together, because you promised in your word that when you gather us that you will be there. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, give us the desires of our heart. Lord, we don't pray that you would give us what we want. We pray, Lord, you give us the desires, that they would be deeply rooted in us, that your kingdom mandate, that your kingdom proclamation, that your desires would become our desires. Yeah. Lord, let us see you. Let us know you. Lord, let us walk in you in your presence and in your power, God, in a, in a mighty way in 2021. Yeah. Father, as we close the chapter on this year, and many people saying that this year has been such a terrible year, Lord, let this year and next year be the turning point, God, that people saw in their lives that they say at the end of 2020, when everything looked bleak, God arrived and he used his people who had his desires written in their heart, God, that they would come out of us. Lord, let us be your people in power. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, continue to sanctify us. Make us look more like Christ and in every way fill us to overflowing according to your word. God, that we would move in power and that we would see you and honor you and that everywhere we go, we bring glory to Jesus. In the mighty name of our risen Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth are rascals. Uh, they do a lot, of, a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing. They're often falling into sin, and Paul uh, is correcting them in many places. And he's giving them an idea of what's to come. He's helping envision them into what God's doing so that they would be firmly rooted in what the Lord is after and not their own sinful desires. And so as we read this passage, we'll see together how Paul is directing their sights. So let your sights likewise be directed also. We're going to start reading together at verse 5. Uh, and then we're going to read a little bit into chapter 6. So I said a lot, we're going to read a lot of the passage, but we want to get the full sense of what Paul is talking about, okay? So let's start together. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, he's talking about our bodies, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with the hands, eternal in the heavens. For this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may be found naked. We may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that, that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that in this mortal, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us 
This very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. What is he talking about? He's talking about shedding the mortal frame for the immortal so that we'll be with Christ and then also just as he rose, we will rise. Just as he has a, new, as has a body eternal because Christ died, was in the tomb, rose to life. Now he never dies, but he's still in that body. He put on flesh for us as an infant. He died as the God-man. He's still the God-man. He's still one of us. He still has flesh. So when he arose up to heaven, he went up in his body. He didn't suddenly become a spirit and flutter off. A lot of Christians have this idea that we're going to just be sort of floating on clouds and strumming those little harp things, and like that's so we're all going to become angels. Angels are different. We are the saints of God. We are the people of God. We are the image bearers that he made. And he sanctified through his son. And when he returns, we will receive also bodies like his. Our hope is the resurrection. It's the mortal, what, what is perishable, what is mortal. Is this interesting how Paul says this? Will be swallowed up by life. Not by death anymore. Because we know death, where is your sting? The death has fallen away. But now instead, the life of God, which he's prepared for us beforehand, now it's put on to us, and we live with him forever, and we receive, in a redeemed world, bodies also. Isn't that good? That's good. You know, that matters. Because if our ethic is just to flutter away, then we don't care about our world. If our ethic is just to get sucked up away from everything, then what does anything matter? But it matters, and that's what Paul's going to tell us, is that even, that, that even though that is our hope and that's what we're looking forward to, it matters. Does this remind you of anything that Jesus has said? The language that Paul's using of these rooms? Isn't it funny how he's using that? He doesn't just say we're going to receive a new body. He says that we're going to receive these rooms, this tent idea. What did Jesus say? In my Father's house there are many rooms. I go before you to prepare a place for you. And so Jesus himself is preparing a place for us, but it's not just a heavenly mansion in which we live. The place is in him, that we're in Christ, that we are found in him, and the hope eternal that we will be like him. What a good, what a good hope. Verse 6, so we, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. What's the fear of the Lord he's talking about? Everyone appears before the judgment seat of God. You know, we skip over that in our culture, don't we? Everyone appears before the Lord of glory who created the earth, who put his standard out that we would belong to him, that we would live his way in his earth that he made. We all have to stand before that judge for the deeds we have done in our body, whether good or evil. Did you know that you are saved by works? They're just not your works. They're his works. The answer is, we have all done evil deeds in the body. All of us. Nobody is guiltless before him, except for him. And he has a body. He became a man on our behalf. 
He took the punishment for sin for us, which we're going to see in a minute. And it's because of the great hope of Jesus that he took the punishment for our sin that we can say, Lord, I have failed you. But him, he did not. He's my advocate. I'm, I, I have nothing. I, I have only Jesus. You know, I don't even think it's going to be a question like that. I think instead it'll just be a rushing forward of, you belong to me, my child. Because you're in him. Because he's called us to himself. Because we belong to Jesus. Because we trust in him completely. And so we're saved by his perfect work. His life. His death. His resurrection. His ruling now. And we submit to Jesus. That's a good hope, isn't it? And also, what does God say to his people? Well done, good and faithful servant. Judged by the good deeds you still did in the body. How is that possible? How many of you have encountered children with bad attitudes on Christmas? Just bad attitudes. You know, it takes a long time to get the meal ready and to get everything set, and the kids are just going crazy to try to get to the presents. That's a lot of pressure to have on a five-year-old, isn't it? It's a lot of pressure. And so sometimes you hit the point in the presents in the morning where you are done with the kids. You, man, you are ready to throw away the presents. And yet, out of a heart of love, you still give to them. That, that's the judgment seat. The judgment seat is that we are Christ's people. We are redeemed by him. We're made saints by him. And the Lord has cleared away the guilt that instead we stand in the righteousness of Christ. And even still, despite the bad things, some people think it's going to be like projectors that project every bad thing you've ever done. It's not like that. Because you're in him. Because he's taken away our sin as far as the east is from the west. And instead we stand in him. And now instead, even the good things you've done in the body, God says, look at those good things. Well done, good and faithful servant. What a hope. What a sonship. What a daughtership. What a great grace we have in inheritance and given a body like him to live forever. Mortal is swallowed up in life. What a, what a hope. Isn't that good? Wow, praise God. Let's keep reading. So good. Verse 11. Man, we're only 11 minutes. How are we doing on time? Okay. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Because what is known to God, and I hope it is known also among your conscience, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, if we're crazy, it is for God. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. For if our love for, Christ, for the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Who is that? Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus died for all. Therefore, all have died. How is that possible? It's possible because our identity is found in him. We die to our old selves. We say, Lord, I trust you and you alone. Father, as you died, bury me with you in that tomb. And when you rose, rise me with you that I can be alive spiritually to you, knowing you, waiting for this great hope of the body that you'll give me, where the mortal is swallowed up in life and not in death. Where one died, he died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. See, there's a trade that happens. Your selfishness goes away. 
your sin goes away. Your consciencelessness, no conscience, not caring, just doing whatever you want, whatever's right in your own eyes, suddenly you realize the standard of the living God who lives forever, the one who rules perfectly, the one who's seated on the throne, and the one whose throne is the judgment seat by which we will all stand. And suddenly in our hearts we say, Lord, I want to live for you. Lord, I want to see you glorified because you're an image bearer. As you glorify him, you fulfill your purpose in life. Some people think that Christianity loses your identity, that you lose yourself and you become this communistic sort of just part of the body of Christ and you don't do anything for yourself anymore. But you find your true purpose in Christ Jesus as you are using your gifts and your talents to give him glory and to stand before him and to say, Lord, I did this for you. We did it together because we love you. And all of a sudden, everything that you've hoped and longed for, why you're not so happy on Christmas, even despite the good presence, it's because the purpose is completed. That's the reason we still feel this nagging. Even when we get all this great stuff and it's so nice and family's around and, man, it seems so good, something's missing, isn't it? The missing thing is fulfilling all of this, that there's still a hope. There's still a day we're reaching toward. There's still a time that we're moving to. There's still something that we're working with God to do. It's the restoration of the whole planet. It's that everyone would know him. That's why Paul says we persuade the people, knowing the fear of God. They're going to stand before him too, and they don't know yet. They don't know this truth. And there's this gnawing thing inside of us where we give presents to our kids, and they're so excited and so happy, and this day is so good. And then you sit down in the restful moment, and you're like, is this it? It's not it. Because there's more. Because the heart of the Father is, yes, gifts, but he gives gifts to men. He gives gifts of people. He gives gifts of ability and talents and function in the body and spiritual blessings and hymns and healing and power and insight. And all of a sudden, we're glorifying God together and seeing people saved and discipled and moving with him and like him. And people are changing. Families are changing. Streets are changing. The world is changing. That's what our heart is about. That's what Christmas is about. It's not just about a baby that came. It's about a mission that God was completing. It was the pivotal piece. It was the one missing power component that we needed. We couldn't do it because we were in this mortal body that's dying. We need a different hope. We need a, a better hope. We need a judge who can save us. He's the judge and the redeemer at the same time. And he's welcomed us into himself that we would know him. Oh, what a, what a God. What a God. What a purpose. What a mission. Let's keep reading. I'm in 1 Corinthians now. Holy moly. All right, let's keep reading. For our sake, he died and was raised. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we, we regard no one according to the flesh. It doesn't matter if you're short, tall, fat, skinny, black, white, yellow, Eskimo. I, I don't know what color they are, whatever that color is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're from India. It doesn't matter if you're from Sri Lanka. It doesn't matter if you're American. It doesn't matter if you're American doesn't matter. It doesn't make us better. Right. What a great country. I love this country. I'm blessed by it. But before the Lord, it's just a country. Amen. It's not the hope. You're the hope. The church is the hope. Wow. And the church is every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every color, every culture redeemed. Why do we have Christmas trees? Why do we bring a tree in the house? 
Because St. Patrick was ministering to the Druids. I could be wrong on this, Wikipedia me, I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, I apologize. This is my, as far as I know. He's ministering to the Druids. They believe that their gods lived in the trees. So he said, let's have a showdown. Your God, my God, on your holy special festival day, solstice, it's your most holy day, I'm going to chop down the, the home of one of your gods, and I'm going to desecrate it. It's not happy decoration. He's desecrating it. He's making frivolity of it. He's laughing at the god's home and bringing it inside, out of nature, because nature's holy, but inside is bad. That's what they thought. So you bring it in the house, you desecrate the home of the god on their most holy day, and we'll pray to Jesus and let's see which fire comes down. What happened to England? What happened to Ireland? It changed them, didn't it? It changed them. Is there bad things in Christians' past? Sure, of course. But look how God used a silly tradition we don't even know where it came from to help people walk out of idolatry, out of fear of trees. Because the nymphs and the gods and the things, they live in there. The magic, that's where it is. It's in the stones. It's in those places. And instead, the creator of all those things showed up as a baby. And they couldn't, how do you get past how do I get that in my head? We'll desecrate the home of those false gods. What did they do? And now we laugh with presence under it. What a God we serve. Because he came, ready, as an infant who couldn't defend himself. Incredible. Isn't that incredible? Wow. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has now come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through you. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you don't know him, if you're still walking in magic and trees and wondering and stars and if I just do this right or maybe I can give enough money or be nice enough or if I look good enough or if I'm successful enough or if I have enough education or whatever it is, be reconciled to God. The only way to be reconciled to God is, say, is to say, Christ is my hope. The education is not my hope. The money is not my hope. The good looks are not my hope. The success is not my hope. My legacy is not my hope. Just being remembered someday is not my hope. My hope is in him, that the mortal would be swallowed up by his life and that because he lives, I will live. Because he's given me his spirit as a guarantee, I know because I know him, because I've seen him, because the tree can't speak to me, but I know him, and he speaks to me through the word, and he speaks to me all the time, and I hear his voice, and I know him, and I feel in my conscience now this feeling that pricks me deep, where I used to live that way, but the old is gone. The new is coming, now I'm a new creation. I have to live for him. I have to serve him, and I have to watch Netflix all day. It doesn't, what? But that's where we are. That's where we are. That's why 2021, this year, is pivotal. 
is pivotal to your life. Forget America, forget the election for a minute. Forget the rest of the world for a second. Forget everything and just think about your life. If God's calling you to all this, it's okay to watch Netflix, by the way. It's okay to watch shows, praise the Lord. But if our whole life is wrapped up in hope for Netflix, hope for the comfort of hanging out, hope for someday we won't have to wear masks and we'll be together and it'll be fun again and then, then when everything returns to normal, it'll be good. The hope is now. The hope is you're the ambassador. Through a mask, who cares about the mask? The power of God will move. Who cares? If you walk up somebody within six feet, you can pray for somebody at seven feet away and God can do it. It doesn't matter. But I'll tell you also, sometimes you break that six-foot barrier. I'm telling you, sometimes you need to break it from the Lord. And you walk up to somebody and say, God is with you. He's telling me, I don't know how I know this, but I know you need to bow the knee to Jesus. Are you reconciled to him? You don't talk about peace. You don't talk about being happy. You don't talk about wealth. You don't talk about blessing. He, that person you're speaking to, man or woman, that person is going to stand before the judgment seat of the almighty judge of the world. And if they're not reconciled to Christ, they are going to be banished. And it's too much to take. It's too much in your own spirit because we have the heart of Christ in us as new creations now. Maybe this is a lost sheep. I need to tell you, you need to be reconciled to Christ. I don't care what it is that you've done. You can name any sin if you know Jesus if you submit to Jesus, if you come to him, he's the addiction breaker. He's the, he's the life bad choices breaker. He's the sin breaker. He's the life giver. Your mortalness can be swallowed up in his life. Do you know him? Come to him. Tell him you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. He'll forgive you. And then you can stand before him and your life will change. I don't know how it's going to change, but I'll walk with you. Take my hand. We'll change it together. That's, that's it. You, you got to do that within six feet. You're going to have to at some point. You can do it from six feet away, but then at some point when the tears start flowing, because it always does, doesn't it? You step up and you say, you're in my bubble now. Come to my house and you show them everything you know. And if it's only John 3.16, start with John 3.16. Hand them your own Bible if you need to, or give them the app on their phone. Everybody's got a phone. This is the Bible. Read the book of John. Call anybody else. Call me. We'll work with them. We'll stand with them. We'll train them. We'll disciple them. Oh, it'll be good. It'll be good. That's what we're doing. That's what the mission is. That's the purpose. That's what we're seeing God do. And then a couple families come in, and the Lord starts rounding out all the gifts in the body. And all of a sudden, every time you show up to church, it's like, God's, he I mean, we haven't even sang one song yet with that awesome guitar player. And just God's here. That was a joke about the guitar player. What do you got? That's okay. But it's, but it's, we're together and we're better together than we are apart. Because somehow we fill out each other and it's just, you feel the spirit of evangelism here where it, it's, it's in that area. I just feel it. And over here, it's just faith and encouragement. And back there's knowledge and words and somebody's teaching over here and it's, there's hospitality everywhere, and oh, what are we doing today? This is amazing. Isn't that good? Yeah. We felt that before, haven't we? Yeah. 2021. 
Sounds like a good year to do that again. Let's keep reading. Sorry, I gotta, I gotta find my place. <laughs> okay, let's start at verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You are a minister of reconciliation, of people to God, of people to people. You're not a minister of reconciliation of Wi-Fi to phones. You're not IT support. You're a reconciler. That's your title. That's your job. Whatever gifts you have, we are, have a ministry of reconciliation to bring people to God and people to people. How good is that? That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. Somehow, in a spiritual mystery, Jesus Christ became sin for us. As he hung on the cross, though he was innocent, he became the object of all of God's wrath for all of our disobedience. He who knew no sin, he was totally innocent, became sin. That's why he died. He died because he took the punishment. That's the punishment for all of our sin. But he rose again. And when he rose, he took us who were broken vessels, sinful, gross, disgusting, and rose us with him, and he put his righteousness upon us. He who knew no sin, who is completely righteous, put his righteousness upon you like royal robes, that when you stand before the judgment seat of God, all of the unrighteousness is gone because it was in Christ who died. He became sin on our behalf. And instead, now you stand as the righteousness of God. You are the example of the righteousness of God. That's unfathomable, isn't it? That God would put his righteousness, his, his perfection upon you. That's why you're a new creation. You couldn't take it before. You were too, too stained. Didn't, God didn't just wipe you clean. He made you new. He put his righteousness on you. Working together with him in chapter 6, verse 1, then we appeal to you, you, have not, you who have not received, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful and yet rejoicing always, as poor yet making many rich, 
as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. How about that word? You know, Paul just gave a litany of all the things he's been doing. Beaten, imprisoned, all this stuff. And he's told them, you're not restricted by me to be a minister of reconciliation. I haven't given you any restrictions. Just be yourself. Go. Do all the things God's called you to. Do everything that's on your heart for him. Go. Go for it. The only thing restricting you is your own affection. Here's the problem. It's not for Jesus. It's why the Netflix is so enticing. It's why falling into hours of YouTube is so enticing. It's why playing that video game system all day is so enticing. It's why just thinking about all the get-rich quick schemes that we can is so enticing. It's why giving ourselves to only our children and our family and not thinking of anyone else is so enticing. It's why it's so easy for the affections of our heart to wander away from what God is doing. There's no restrictions, and yet in the freedom of it, sometimes we find ourselves just waffling and wandering. So what does Paul tell them to do? We have spoken freely to you. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts. Widen your hearts also. New Covenant Church, here's the word of God for you in 2021. Widen your heart. Widen your heart. That your own affections wouldn't be the drive of everything that happens, but instead you would encompass all that God is doing, all that he's about, all the power he's put in you, what the Holy Spirit is about, what he's doing, as he's reconciling people, as he's reconciling those lost sheep that he's bringing back into the fold, as he's finding those and changing them and sanctifying them and sanctifying your own heart. Widen your heart to see him, to see Christ to see what he's doing, to follow him, to stay in the vein of all that he's about, widen your heart away from your own affections and into all the things that God is doing. Widen your heart that no experience in life is going to unvalidate all that God has done. That there is no affliction, there is no peril or sword or danger, there is nothing that can happen in this year and all the unknown that's one, gonna separate you from the love of Christ, but also gonna take you out of this mission. As those who have nothing yet possessing everything, whatever it happens, whatever comes, widen your heart to know what God is doing, to stand firm with him, to hold on to Christ, and to trust him with our lives. Amen? Amen. We're going to come to the table of the Lord now. Here's the great news. How do you widen your heart? This is, I'm not trying to be oversimplistic. You take communion. How do you widen your heart? It's not the bread and the wine that are going to do anything. But you commune with Jesus. You come before him and you say, Lord, here's the junk that I have had in me. Forgive me. Well, because you're faithful and you're just to forgive me of all unrighteousness when I confess my sins, I confess them to you. Lord, forgive me that I've been led astray by my own affections. Forgive me, Lord, for letting fun things like watching a movie or two or three even sometimes become just love for Netflix. Forgive me for letting my heart go astray and being so consumed with my own desires instead of wondering what you're going to do in this year. How will you use me? If I'm your ambassador, what shall I do? Forgive me, God. We come every week to the table, and every week we know the, the grace of God for our sin, just like this. Say, Lord, forgive me, and we know he forgives us. 
Then we eat the bread and we remember that his body was broken for us and that we're now new creations in him and we actually are nourished by him knowing that he is the one who keeps us moving forward. He's our sustenance. He's our life and his life gives us life. And then we drink the wine and we remember that there'll be a day when we stand at the marriage feast of the, of the lamb and we say, Lord, we did it with you. We all raise our glasses in that day in fullness, knowing him in every way, seeing his return. It's coming. It's coming. And the new covenant in, us, in this time has washed away our sins because of his blood, because of his perfect sacrifice. It's because of him. He's the great judge and our salvation. What a great God. Let's pray now. If you have any sin, anything before you that you know is not from the Lord, take just a moment and ask him to forgive you. Just take 10 seconds. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. The Lord is calling you. That's a phone joke. Lord, I want to live for you. Forgive me, God. I want 2021 to be a year in which I know you more. Lord, I want my kids to see you, God. I want my neighbors to see you through me or to use me. If I'm a reconciler, if I'm an ambassador, God, let me be faithful in it. Help me, Lord, where I haven't walked with you. Lord, I feel so powerless. I feel so defeated. God, as I eat this bread today, nourish me in a new way. Lord, from the death of my soul, let me know again the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, show me what I should do. What should I do, God? Who should I talk to? Where should I go? Father, I trust you. I trust you that, Lord, possessing nothing, yet I possess everything because I have you. And I know in that moment that you'll show me exactly what to say, exactly who to talk to. Lord, let me see you bring fruit into the kingdom, Lord. I don't want to just sow seeds. I want to nourish those seeds with you by your word, and I want to see them spring up. And, Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus, let this be the year of harvest. Lord, let 2021 be the year I've sown seeds to my dad, to my mom, to my brother, to my sister, to my uncle, to my neighbor, to my friend. I've sown those seeds for all these years. And so, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you that you're watering those seeds. And, Lord, I'm asking you that you let me harvest them. Lord, let me harvest the fruit of people who walk in repentance, God. Lord, let me harvest the fruit of those loved ones that you're calling to yourself, God. Lord, let me harvest the fruit of righteousness in my own life, but in all my neighbors, too. Make me a reconciler, God, I pray in Jesus' name. If you prayed those prayers, he hears your prayer. He's forgiven your sin. Let's take the bread together. If you don't know Jesus, don't eat this. It will not nourish you. If you know him, it will nourish you. The night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he said that this was his body which was broken for us, that we should do this in remembrance of him. Let's partake of the bread together. nourish us. After supper in the same way, he took the cup and he said that this was the cup of the new covenant in his blood that we should do this in remembrance of him. Partake of the cup. Let the spirit wash through you. Thank you, Lord. Will you stand with me and let's pray and we're going to praise the Lord. Father, thank you that you're with us. Our hearts are yours. Lord, as we worship you now, we declare we belong to you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your nourishment. Lord, use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.